0: بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد الأنبياء والمرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد كان في يوسف وإخوته آيات للسائلين InshaAllah, today we will conclude and wrap up the story of Yusuf alayhi uh, salam. There's still a good amount to, to cover, and so we'll try to mention the, the gist of what happens. To recap, last week we talked about how Yusuf alayhi salam was freed from the prison and uh, after that uh, he requested the king, uh, and asked him to make him a minister, uh, and, uh, make him the one who oversees the treasury, and, uh, the king made him then his treasurer, and Yusuf alayhi salam then had the control of the treasury. Along with that, he gained the king's trust, and soon afterwards, as Yusuf alayhi salam had interpreted the dream, uh, the situation at hand manifested. So you had seven years of prosperity where Yusuf, under Yusuf's guidance, they were able to gather enough uh, uh, crops, enough food for the next seven years. And then after that seven-year period, the seven years of drought and famine started. But because Yusuf salam who not only is a prophet, but through his prophetic insight, he was able to take the proper measures and make proper arrangements. Subhanallah, the seven years of drought and famine were taken care of. The people did not uh, uh, suffer as much as would have been expected hadn't these proper measures been taken. During this time, people from different areas, they heard about Yusuf alayhi and how the, the uh, uh, This individual, the minister, his kindness, and how anyone who comes, he provides for them. Uh, even though Ya'qub salam, and his children are living away. Yusuf salam, is in Egypt. Ya'qub and his children are living in, in Palestine. And so when they hear about this, they also come to Yusuf. Salam. And so this is where we're at now, uh, ayah number 58 in Surah to Yusuf. The brothers of Yusuf السلام, came, they entered, and they he recognized them, but they didn't recognize him. They didn't, you know, they had no expectation, right? What happened to Yusuf? Is he still alive or not? None of that was part of their concern, and so they wouldn't, they couldn't even, it probably never crossed their imagination that this individual. Who is, now the, who is now the treasurer of the king, is going to be Yusuf. Alayhi salam. But Yusuf alayhi salam, recognized them. And so remember, Yusuf alayhi salam, had 11 brothers. At this time, 10 brothers came. The youngest brother, Yaqub alayhi salam, wouldn't allow them to take him. Why? Because after having experienced what happened with Yusuf, alayhi salam, he chose not to send his youngest son, uh, Bin Yameen. His name was Bin Yameen. And so... Uh, these ten brothers came and, uh, Yusuf alayhi salam, as they asked for each individual, Yusuf alayhi salam gave them, uh, enough provision. And he made some conversation and, uh, make, when he made conversation, you know, they expressed how they have another brother at home and how Uh, you know we need to take up you know some provisions for him so at that time Yusuf then said next time you come make sure to bring your brother Uh, that you bring your brother along with you Uh, notice that I am giving you full measure but if you don't bring him next time I will not give the measure for him I will not provide provision for him and uh, in place, they had also given some form of, you know, uh, whatever um, money, whatever jewelry, whatever they had, they gave that to him as well, in compensation for this. When they returned back home, when they returned back home, they mentioned, قَالُوا يَا al مِنَّ الْكَيْلُ فَأَرْسِلْ مَعَنَا نَكْتَلْ وَإِنَّا لَهُ This is ayah number 63. That, oh our father, you know, we were prevented one, you know, uh, the, the provision of one individual. Why? Because Binyamin is a young man, and because we didn't bring him along, we were pre- uh, prevented from getting one measure for, on his behalf. So send him with us, that way we will be able to get enough provision for all. And إِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ will protect him. So, subhanallah, what does Ya'qub respond? How does he respond? He says, هَلْ آمَنُكُمْ عَلَيْهِ إِلَّا كَمَا أَمِنْتُكُمْ عَلَىٰ أَخِيهِ مِنْ Shall I, uh, um, you know, trust you with him just like I trusted his brother before? At the same time, you, A'qub khayrun hafidha. You don't tell me that you're going to protect him. The reality is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the protector. And if I send him, then I send him in the protection of Allah. khayrun hafidha, wa huwa Likewise when they open up their provisions they noticed that whatever they had given uh, Yusuf alayhi again not recognizing that he's their brother, whatever jewelry that they had given in compensation for it, they found all of that had been returned to them. So this they noticed that this is any this was a way to kind of encourage them. In, encourage them to next time bring their brother along with. And so at this time, now when they, they run out of provision, they, they want to go back. This time they urge their father, please send our brother. So when they're convincing their father, Yaqub alayhi salam says this. I will not send him with you until you do not make a a, 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 a pact with me. T'utuni with Allah that you will ta'tuni bihi you will bring him back illa an bikum except if something overwhelms you yani this is a nabi right so he recognizes that there may be certain situations like you cannot give a absolute promise you cannot give an absolute promise that okay we will ensure that nothing happens and we will be able to bring him back but as a nabi, he recognizes that there could be certain circumstances that could overwhelm them, right? But you, from your side, because in the case of Yusuf alayhi salam, it was very different. They, from their side, did whatever they could to get rid of Yusuf alayhi salam. So this time, their father makes this pact that no, from you, from your side, should not do anything. Huh? If something overwhelms, if the situation overwhelms, then, then you know, there, there's nothing anyone can, can do. فلما مَوْثِقَهُمْ قال الله على ما نقول وكيل وقال يا بني لا تدخل at the same time Ya'qub عليه gives him an advice right so now eleven brothers are gonna go and enter the city imagine eleven brothers this is not uh, this is a great blessing of Allah subhanahu wa taala to have one son two sons this is a ni'mah from Allah eleven sons eleven sons okay? all of them who are uh, mean, from these eleven sons, all of them are living with the father. All of them supporting the father. All of them with the parents. This is a great na'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he gives them the advice that when you go, make sure you do not enter the city from one gate. Make sure you all disperse and enter the city from multiple gates. Because when eleven brothers, eleven of you are going to enter together, and obviously the brothers are going to look similar to each other, people are going to recognize that you are all brothers. And this may produce what we call nadar, the evil eye. Right? Somebody may remark, oh wow, 11 brothers. Right? One way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us is that whenever we see something that makes us happy, that pleases us, we should always say, masha'Allah. That's why it is possible that nadar, the evil eye, can occur from someone who is actually beloved. It's People sometimes have this. Uh, Notion that the evil eye uh, is strikes only somebody you know is, is strucken by somebody who, who's maybe envious or jealous or who has ill intent. It doesn't have to be. It can also be from someone who actually loves. For example, a parent may put another on his own child. It can it's possible? right so it's saying masha allah reading the duas nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam taught that the three quls these are very powerful Surah suratul ikhlas qul wallahu ahad suratul falq qul al and suratul nas qul al-nas these are very powerful surahs against uh, um, you know uh, evil eye and magic and di- all other different types of um evils that may be out there, that may strike strike an individual. These three are very important. A person should try to recite them after every prayer. It was a sunnah of the Prophet وسلم Before he used to go to bed, he would also recite these. And it comes in the narrations that towards the end of his life, when Nabi وسلم was on his deathbed, and it was very difficult for him to do this, Aisha ﷺ says, that she would recite these three surahs and uh, she would blow in her hands and she would then wipe the body of the Prophet So a person, as long as they're able to do it themselves, they should recite the three quls before going to bed and then blow in their hands and then wipe their body uh, uh, to you know wherever they, their hands can reach as they're, they're laying in bed. But why did Ya'qub ﷺ tell them to do this? This brings about a very important discussion and that is of tawakkul. And, you know, today, with the circumstances that we're in, uh, this discussion is brought up as well. Tawakkul. What is the meaning of Tawakkul? Oftentimes, people have the idea that Tawakkul means you don't do anything, you rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I'm not gonna do anything from my side. I have full trust and confidence in Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of it. This is a wrong notion of Tawakkul. True tawakkul is recognizing that you and I are servants of Allah. You and I are servants of Allah. Which means that you and I must abide by the laws set by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The whole universe has a system that Allah has placed on it. We are part of that system. What we call asbab. There's a cause and effect relationship which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put in the universe. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not bound by that system. We are bound by it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not bound by that system. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to bypass or break that system, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do that. It's His system. He created it. But you and I who are servants of Allah, we are bound by the system. If Allah wants to break it for anyone, Allah Taala can. Okay, so as an example, you know, if a person uh, desires to have children, well, there's there's asbab. There are certain asbab that you have to adopt in order for that to happen. If somebody doesn't adopt those means, don't expect to have children. Huh? Can Allah Taala bypass that system? Of course. You see Adam alayhi salam, Adam alayhi salam doesn't have any parent, neither father nor mother. Allah ta'ala created him. Isa alayhi created without any father. Allah ta'ala can bypass that system, it's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The sun and the moon have a specific orbit, they have a specific uh, system that they follow. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to stop that system, Allah ta'ala can. It's happened in the past. That the sun was stopped. The sun was stopped from setting for a short period of time. Or as it comes in the hadith, that among the signs of Qiyamah is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will command the sun to go back from where it came. And on that day, the sun will rise from the west and set in the east. The normal system that we see is what? It rises in the east, sets in the west. But one day Allah ta'ala will stop it and have it rise from the west. It's system of Allah ta'ala we see the moon we see how its structure is you know its uh, how it orbits the earth its system allah ta'ala wants to do something to it allah ta'ala can it's his creation so during the time of the prophet among his mu'ajizat was that the moon was split through the ishara of the prophet the moon was split possible why it's because it's allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doing it bringing the dead back to life in general is not possible but this is the system of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to bypass it, Allah Ta'ala can. Isa alayhi Sam from his muajizat was he would ask the permission of Allah and the dead would be raised. The dead would come back to life. So nothing is out of the control of Allah Ta'ala. But we being the servants of Allah Ta'ala, we are bound by those asbab That's why we have to adopt whatever asbab, whatever means are within our capacity, we have to adopt them while recognizing that whatever the outcome is, that is up to Allah Whatever the outcome is, recognizing that that is going to be from Allah, not because I adopted the means, that is the tawakkul. Let me repeat that, this is very important. We, being servants of Allah, we are ordered to adopt the means. While adopting the means, we must recognize that whatever the outcome may be, it is going to be a result of Allah's decision. Not because we adopted the means. That is the meaning of tawakkul So, as an example. A person is thirsty. A person is hungry. What is our common understanding? Well, I'm hungry. In order to remove my hunger, I should eat. If I eat, it will remove my hunger. Now, no doubt. Eating food is a sabab. Allah Ta'ala made it a means to remove hunger. But who will remove the hunger? What will remove the hunger? It's not going to be the food. If the hunger is removed, it should be with the recognition that Allah allowed this food to remove the hunger. Very often, we don't think that way. And that's why our mashakh say that the true test of tawakkul does not come in the absence of means. Like if you don't have the means available, you have no other option but to have tawakkul in Allah. But the true test of tawakkul comes When the means are available to you, and you attach your hopes, and you attach the results to those means, thinking that it's these means that are doing what they're doing. Rather, it's Allah that's doing it. So you from your side adopt the means. Okay, so you have to, you're hungry, you have to eat, eat. And if that food is removing the hunger, rec- recognize it's not the food itself; it's Allah who put that in the food. Otherwise, does it not happen where you have a person who's thirsty, you know, maybe, and they're drinking water or they're drinking some sort of liquid, and you know, they're 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 drinking and drinking and drinking, and yet they don't they still don't feel quenched. Or they're hungry and they're eating and eating and eating, and no matter how much they eat, their food is just not quenched. It's just not. Filling there, filling them. At the same time, you find in the time of the Prophet وسلم, the baraka was so much that one cup of milk is sufficient for a number of sahaba. Comes about Abu Hurairah radiallahu an. he one time was so hungry, he came to the Prophet Nabi saw Alaihi somebody had given him a cup of milk. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Abu Hurairah thought that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would give it to him. And instead Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Go call, you know, so, you know, sahaba, number of sahaba were there. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam now is giving this cup. Imagine one cup to all the Sahaba. And Abu Anhu is thinking, you know, by the time it reaches me, I'm not going to get any. But it's from the Barakat, from the Mu'ajizat of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Everybody drank. When it came to Abu Anhu, he drank. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, drink more, he drank more. He said, drink more, he drank more. SubhanAllah, until he couldn't drink any. One cup. Right? What is our... any? Yani, Our physical perception, our observation would have said what? This one cup is not going to suffice. Forget about sufficing 10 people. It's not going to suffice one person. And if you're hungry, and you're going to drink one cup of milk. That's not going to be sufficient. But it's the idea that Allah is the one that's putting the barakah in there. So that one cup of milk becomes sufficient for a number of people. And th- this type of uh, uh, incident, these types of incidents happened a lot during the time of the Prophet during the time of the Sahaba and among the awliya. Why? Because of recognition that whatever happens is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A small bowl of rice could suffice a hundred people if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants. That's the recognition of tawakkul Right? And at the same time, a huge platter may not suffice one person. That's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the idea is. Whatever means that are available to us, we adopt those means. And then, we recognize that whatever the result is going to be, or the lack thereof, is the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Is the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why, notice what uh, uh, he says here in uh, ayah number 67. وَقَالَ يَا لَا تَدْخُلُوا مِنْ بَابٍ وَاحِدٍ وَدْخُلُوا مِنْ أَبْوَابٍ O my children, don't enter through one door, one you know entrance, one gate. Enter from different, various gates. Okay, so some of you from one, one part of the city, some of you from another part of the city, and whatnot. وَمَا أُغْنِي عَنْكُم مِنَ اللَّهِ مِنْ شَيْءٍ Okay, keep in mind that this itself is not going to do anything. It's the decision of Allah that's going to do what it's going to do. In لله, all matter, all command belongs to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one that makes the hukum. On him do I put my reliance. Only on him do I put my reliance. And upon him should those who put their reliance and their trust, on, it's only on Allah that they should put their trust in. And you adopt whatever means you need to, recognizing that it's Allah in whom you should put your trust on whether it, whether the the, the result is fulfilled or not. Okay, <clears throat> so in any case, uh, um, this this ayah then uh, talks about it. Um, and uh, no doubt again yaqub alisam is a prophet of allah ta'ala he knows very well what tawakkul is and based on that he gave this advice to his children we even find in the life of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in one of the battles nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam had two two coats of armor right somebody can say oh, isn't this against tawakkul this is not against tawakkul nabi sallallahu had t- available with him two coats of armor so he used both of them Recognizing that whatever happens, if any injury happens, it's from Allah. And if no injury happens, that's also from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the true understanding of tawakkul. In any case, the second time they came... Uh, you know, uh, again, Nabi, uh, Yusuf provided for them, and uh, in order to keep his brother with him, Yusuf made a, uh, a plan, and um, uh, I won't go into too much of this part of the story, uh, otherwise it would take a long time, but he, he made some sort of plan that would allow his brother to stay behind, and so his brother ended up staying with him, and he revealed to his brother, Bin because remember, Bin Yameen and Yusuf are full blood brothers, okay? Yaqub a.s. is the father and for these two their mother is the same whereas for the other ten children the mother is different their mother was different so in any case um, they uh, uh, Yusuf a.s. is able to keep his brother behind bin Yamin. Uh, the other brothers again not knowing what's happening they, they try to uh, insist um, uh, they say, yeah, you, this is now going to ayah number 78. We're going to jump to ayah number 78. said, oh, Aziz, right? you're a minister. You're in, you know, our father is very old. Take one of us in his place. He's very beloved to our father. You know, we've made this pact with our father. You know, please um, uh, uh, you take one of us in, in his place. So uh Yusuf alayhi salam he mentions, he Allah, Allah you know, we can only take that individual who the 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 uh, goods were found with. And uh, the plan that Yusuf alayhi salam basically had is that whoever what he did was he put a cup uh um that belonged uh uh, uh to the king in, in his brother's bag. Okay, and um uh, uh when you know it Became aware that the, the cup of the king is missing again. Imagine it's the cup of the kings. So it's not going to be any ordinary cup. Um, uh, they, you know, they said, you know, search the the bags. They find it in Benjamin's bag. And so, what should we do? What should we do? In the Sharia of Ya'qub al the Sharia that Ya'qub salam, followed, the rule was if anyone committed theft, then the person who committed the theft would become the slave of the one who he stole from. Now, there's a long detail about, you know, what how you know, what the explanation of this is, but for the time being, we'll leave it to this, that there was divine wisdom at hand, and Yusuf a-isam knowing what he was doing, he-, he did what he did, and, uh, this is how he kept Benjamin with him. And so, that's why he's saying here, we can only take the person with whom the-, the-, the, the goods were found. It was found with bin Yameen, we have to keep it. Okay, in any case when they lost all hope, they, they the, the eldest of them he said, "You know what? The rest of you go. I'm not going back to to home." Um uh, and and let him know what, what has happened. They return back home and you know they they, they mention it to the to their father. And of course, you know, for Yaqub salam, seeing what had already happened before, Yaqub salam is is uh, uh, he's again even more sad. Right? And they, they even say, is it, Was Qur'yat al-lati kunna this ayah number 82. And you can ask the other people, the, the, the rest of the caravan that went with us what has happened. You know, we're not lying. We didn't do anything purposely to, to, you know, lose Binyamin. This was the situation. At the end, again, Yaqub alayhi salam says what? Fasabrun Jameel. Fasabrun Jameel. Ayah number 83. Just as what happened with Yusuf alayhi salam, what was Yaqub alayhi response, the same response here. Fa sabrun jameel. اللَّهُ أَن an yatiyani bihim Perhaps Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring both of them back to me. Will bring all of them back to me. And this is something that Yaqub alayhi in his heart knew. That wherever Yusuf alayhi may be, it's not that he is dead or something like that. Why? Because Yaqub alayhi knew that Yusuf alayhi is going to be a prophet of Allah. And perhaps it was because of this reason that Yaqub al was so sad. Which teaches us another lesson. Being sad. Being sad. Crying is not something that is against tawakkul. It is not something against patience. We also have this notion in our community sometimes that if a person is crying, that's a sign of impatience. It depends on Uh, I would say it depends on uh, how they're crying and what kind of mentality they have at that time. If a person is complaining, Ya Allah, why did you do this? Ya Allah, how could you do this to me? This is a sign of impatience. This is a sign of ingratitude. And this is something disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at the time of difficulty, if it causes a person to cry because of the grief, this is a natural human response to cry to shed tears it's a natural human response and this is what had happened with Ya'qub is that losing yusuf salam, not because he had some sort of like uh, uh, um any every individual naturally has love for their children um but here you know keep in mind that every prophet their attention is turned towards allah but the idea was that this is a ni'mah from allah this is a ni'mah from allah and This is a natural human response that at the loss of this ni'mah, Ya'qub cries. And it so happens that due to his crying, he actually becomes blind. But at no point did he complain to Allah because of dissatisfaction. One thing is to complain to Allah in the sense that you ask Allah, you seek help from Allah. Ya Allah, this has happened. Ya Allah, please help me. Ya Allah, I, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. Ya Allah, please assist me. Ya Allah, please remove this difficulty from me. Ya Allah, I'm weak. Ya Allah, I, I cannot do anything. Ya Allah, please don't, you know, uh, uh, surrender me to my enemies. Ya Allah, please don't surrender me to, to these difficulties. Ya Allah, I'm very weak. I cannot bear. It. This is not going against patience. This is in fact manifesting your servitude to Allah. Allah is your creator. Allah is our creator, our sustainer. He is the one who owns us. We are his servants. To display this is in fact displaying humility. This is the essence of worship. mukhul ibada. Making dua is the essence of worship. Why? Because what is worship? Worship is to glorify. Worship is to surrender yourself and recognize that you yourself have nothing and you are completely dependent on your Malik that's what dua is dua is a manifestation of your ubudiyah to Allah that's why dua is considered the essence of worship ad du'a'u muqul ibadah in another nation, ad-du'a huwa is ibadah dua is ibadah but if a person is complaining, Ya Allah, why did you do this to me? Ya Allah, how could you have done? Was there nobody else that you could have put this musibah on? Why? Why me? This is not patience. This is ingratitude. This is in fact ingratitude. This is, and this is something that is not, this type of ingratitude is never displayed by any prophet. Why? Because all prophets are free from sin. At this time, his sons express, uh, you know, express that, you know, oh, our father, you, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, you're destroying yourself. You're, you're killing yourself because of this. Right? But what does Yaqub, Islam say? I am not displaying my, my complaints to you. I am, I am expressing my dua to Allah. I'm expressing my need to Allah. I'm not expressing it to you. I'm expressing it to Allah. And I know in my heart some things that you don't know. Why? Because he's a prophet. So that's what, uh, he says in this next ayah, in, uh, number 86. I complain, I bring forth, and I express my grief, my, you know, difficulties, whatever I'm expressing, I only express it to Allah. I'm not expressing it to anyone else. And this is another sign of patience. It comes in some narrations that, you know one of the signs of patience a person doesn't go around mentioning to other. you know this happened to me this. Ha-. there could be somebody that you could speak to as a confidant right that's a- again that's part of a human response. Something happens. you're going through a musiba, you need to talk to someone, maybe you need counseling, maybe you need someone you know who can support you and guide you to that difficulty. That's a different thing. But there's another person who goes around complaining to every single individual. They see. do you know this happened to me? Do you know this is happening? And you know, that, oh, listen, you know, this has happened. This, this is not a sign of patience. Huh. If you know that there's a person that can help you and you express that to them. First, a person should express it to Allah. Ya Allah, this is my difficulty. Ya Allah, this is the difficulty I'm going to. First and First and foremost, you express it to Allah. Because no one has the power to do anything except Allah. Afterwards, and this is something that the Prophet ﷺ teaches us, that if you need anything, it could be something as small or insignificant in your eyes, as for example, the 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 the, the lace of a shoe. The, your shoelace breaks. At that time you have a need. Express that to Allah. Ya Allah, the shoelace broke, Ya Allah, please, you know. Help me, assist me in that. It's something in your, in our eyes, may seem insignificant, but the true servant of Allah will express that to Allah first. Then look at whatever, whatever other means you have available. Can you go buy a shoelace? Yeah, then go ahead, buy the shoelace. If it's something that psychological, if something that you know um spiritually that's 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 bothering you, first and foremost, go and turn to Allah. إِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ if my servant asks me, then he should recognize that I am near. I am near him. I am indeed near. So, first and foremost, you express it to Allah. Afterwards, you find whatever means are necessary. You need someone to help you, assist you. Maybe you're going through a difficulty. Maybe it's something that psychologically you're not able to bear. Maybe it's some grief. Maybe it's whatever the case may be. You go to now someone who you trust. And that person you explain. Any Not only somebody who you trust. But somebody who you know will be able to assist you and help you. That's who you then ask. Otherwise if you go around every single individual and you tell them. There's sometimes people in our communities and our families that do that. They'll go to every single individual and they'll You know, this is my problem, this is my problem, this is my problem. No, a lot of people won't be able to do anything. But this And this will not be a sign of patience. Okay. So إنما أشكو بثي وحزني إلى الله وأعلم من الله ما لا تعلمون. And I know something that from Allah that you don't know. And at this time, then He orders His His sons go back and ask, and don't become uh, uh, despondent of the mercy of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. This is another than quality and lesson that we learn here. A believer should never ever become despondent. In Allah subhanahu wa taala's mercy, or of Allah subhanahu wa taala's mercy, ever, whatever difficulty you may be in, never become despondent. There are people who sometimes will say, "You know, I make dua all the time. I make dua all the time. None of my duas get accepted." Don't you don't know the wisdom that Allah subhanahu wa taala has, and don't ever, you know, any come to this idea that Allah subhanahu wa taala billah, has left you or something. Never. As a believer, Allah says in the Quran, Allah is the guardian, the protector of the believers. Why something is happening, what the situation is, what the circumstances, Allah knows best. So never get, become despondent. Your job is to continue to make dua. Whether Allah accepts that dua or not, your job is to is to obey Allah, your job is to obey Allah, your job is to is to keep on making dua. About how and what Allah Ta'ala does recognize and that is from the divine mercy and divine will of Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. It is possible that Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is storing the person's du'as for the hereafter. It comes in some narrations that on al qiyama, when a person sees his du'as, the, the, the result of his du'as in the hereafter and they were stored and saved for him in the hereafter, he would wish that none of my du'as were accepted in the dunya. Now that doesn't mean that you, when you make du'a, you have this in the back of my mind, Ya Allah, please don't accept my du'a, keep it for the hereafter. No. You are a servant of Allah. You need Allah. We need Allah. So when we make du'a, we make du'a with this hope. That Ya Allah is going to accept my du'a. Now how He accepts His du'a, we don't put that time limit on Allah. And nor, nor should we have that in the back of mind. Ya Allah, you have to accept my du'a within the week. Ya Allah, in couple days you have to accept my du'a. Who are you? We are servants of Allah. Allah wa knows best what is better for you, at what time something is better for you. You and I may not be able to recognize that at the moment. It's just like a child. A child does not understand what is beneficial, what is harmful for uh, for it at that time. It sees anything. I mean, it sees fire. The first thing the child is going to do is trying to put his his, his hand inside the fire. Why? Because it's something that looks amazing to him. And that's going to be his natural reaction. He does not know that it's going to be harmful for him. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his divine and infinite knowledge knows exactly what is best for each individual. And that's why you know one should not compare one's own state with another. Like, you know, I, Ya Allah, I see so and so, you accept all of his du'as. Ya Allah, you know, you give him this, you give him that, but Ya Allah you don't give these things to me. No, this is again this is one of those types of complaints where you're showing dissatisfaction with the with the taqdeer of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rather you recognize that you know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has the best interest for me. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what's best for me and what's best for another individual. Maybe for another individual, by keeping him in, in a state of comfort, maybe that's his way to, to get close to Allah taala. And maybe for another person, putting him in difficulty is the way for him to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Objective is to get close to Allah taala. That's something we should keep in mind. But never get... لا تقنطوا من رحمة الله. Don't get despondent from Allah. One who becomes despondent of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is someone who disbelieves. That's in the same ayat Allah ta'ala says إِنَّهُ لَا يأس مِنْ رَوْحِ الله إلا القوم الكافرون. No one becomes despondent of the mercy of Allah except those who disbelieve. Any case, they the brothers go back. They again, you know... Um, uh, uh, insist and they they ask and they request you know please you know our family we've been struck with a lot of difficulty you know we brought all our goods with us at this point now Yusuf alayhi salam asks recognizing the kind of desperation they're in in this situation he says قال Do you know what you did with Yusuf and his brother when you were ignorant? When they, when he mentions, you know what? How does he know about Yusuf And now, you know, they they it's like coming to them and they're looking at him. Now they're recognizing. Yusuf, immediately قالوا Are you Yusuf? And Yusuf alayhissalam then mentions, he says, yes, قَالَ أَنَا يُوسُفْ وَهَذَا أَخِي I am Yusuf, this is my brother. قَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَ. Look, subhanallah, despite all the difficulty that Yusuf went through, we went over these couple of weeks, we talked about all the difficulties. Imagine, one difficulty after the other. Yet, as a servant of Allah, what does he say here? He doesn't say, look at how much difficulty that Allah put me in. What does he say? قَدْ مَنَّ اللَّهُ Allah has shown His favor on us. اللَّهُ عَلَيْنَا Indeed, one who has taqwa, who's mindful of Allah, and one who is patient. Indeed, Allah does not waste the reward of the good doers. If you're doing any good action, and you're not seeing the result, keep in mind that Allah does not allow your good deeds to go to waste. It will manifest some way, somehow. At some time, if not in the dunya, then in the hereafter. Inna la ajra al muhsinin. This similar ayah comes in Surah Al Kahf as well. Inna la al Allah does not waste the reward of the good doers. Muhsin is someone who tries to perfect their action. It's not somebody who just does an action. Muhsin is somebody who strives to perfect their action. That is a muhsin. At this time, his brothers then explain, they, they, they recognize, any, you know, what you know from where to where did Yusuf alayhi sallam get? They said, Surely Allah has preferred you over us. We are the wrongdoers. We were the ones that were at fault. And at this time, Yusuf alayhi sallam could do anything. He has the full power. He is now the treasurer of the king. He has the side of the king with him. At this time, he could have done anything. What does he say? There is no blame on you today. May Allah forgive you all. He is Arhamur Rahim. This is one of those occasions where now it exemplifies the story of the Prophet as well. The seerah of the Prophet The Prophet was forced he was put in a situation where he could no longer remain in makkah mukarrama his own people people who he grew up with people who were his you know part of his clan you know the the Quraysh, who he spent 53 years with them 53 years with them of of which 40 years he spent such a impeccable life and he he led such a, a life that had you, you mean, there's not a single ounce or single any type of blemish that you could put in his life. Forty years he lived like this among them. And at the age of forty now he invites the people to, to Allah and majority of them deal with him. How? And he has to go through all of these difficulties. For then the next thirteen years he has to he has to not only himself go through so much difficulty, but you know witness the difficulties of, of his companions who accepted Islam. That's not easy. And now finally, they're plotting to assassinate the Prophet Sallallahu they, They've made a plot in which, you know, the Banu Hashim cannot take any revenge they, you know, from any one of them. They, they have all of their young men gathered around the house of the Prophet All of you strike him as one. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala informs this to the Prophet Right in front of them, the Prophet leaves. While he's leaving, he's turning away from Makkah Mukarramah. Prophet Sallallahu has tears in his eyes. Has tears in his eyes. This is your home. This is your home. You spent fifty three years. You got married here. You had you know any all your children here. All your relatives live here. And now after fifty three years, the, the, your own people have put such a situation on you that you can no longer remain here. And he leaves, recognizing that you know, he, he he will no longer this, be, this will no longer be his home anymore. He will return. He knows in the promise of Allah. In fact, at this time, it comes at the ayah that was revealed was uh, uh, um, uh, that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, will return you. Some mufassirin say that here this is referring to Makkah مَكَّ Mukarram. According to some mufassirin, We will definitely return you back to, you, to where you, your, your, you came from. And when after 10 years when now, in the 10th year Hijri, when uh, I'm sorry, the 8th year uh, Hijri, when uh, uh, Makkah Mukarramah comes under the control of the Prophet Sallallahu the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam comes with approximately 10,000 or so Muslims to Makkah Mukarramah. And at that time, he asked the Quraysh, how should I deal with you? said, you are somebody noble, you are the son of somebody noble. At this time, when Nabi Sallallahu has full opportunity to do whatever he wills, he says what? Today, I, I'm not going to put any blame on you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive you. This is the character of the Prophet. This is the character of the Anbiya. This is what he says. He says, Take this shirt of mine, right, and, and put it on my father's face, his eyes will return. This is like mu'adiza. And so uh uh you know they're returning and before the, the caravan can reach to Yaqub salam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows Yaqub al-Salam to smell the fragrance of Yusuf alayhi salam and he realizes I smell Yusuf. Ayah number ninety-four. Inni la yusuf. I find the smell of youth And the people around him are saying, you're in your you know, your your uh, whatever ideas, your an old notions you have, you're just stuck in that. But no, Allah ta'ala is from the of Allah, they brought the shirt, they mentioned the tidings, they they, they placed the shirt uh, on him and and through the barakah of that to the marj of this, his eyes, you know, he was able to see again and at this time. He says to his children. Didn't I tell you that I know from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala what you don't know? And they, as children, then they they they, they, were, they were at fault. These other children, and so they said. Please forgive us our sins. We were at fault, and so in response, Yaqub al says. I will soon make istighfar for you. And some Mufassirin comment here by saying that the idea was, yani, I have a dedicated time when I will make istighfar, and at that time I will make istighfar. And that dedicated time is at the time of tahajjud. That time is a time that is very, very blessed. And in fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, when talking about the descriptions of the believers, He says that, um that day, at the time of suhoor. the so time of suhoor is tahajjud time. They are seeking forgiveness from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala because this is a very blessed time. So it's very possible that any yani, uh, the idea here was that at that time, when uh, you know I'm sitting for devotion and that's a blessed time, that's when I will seek forgiveness on your behalf. In Nabuhu rahim, indeed Allah is all forgiving. Allah is all merciful. Again, same idea. Never become despondent of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's mercy. But Yusuf had asked, you know, when you go back, bring the whole family. Bring the parents and the whole family. And so when all of them came, uh, they all came, uh, first thing Yusuf did, what is he raised his parents to the throne? Why? Because the maqam of the parents, no one can compete with the maqam of the parents. After Allah and after His Rasul are the parents. No one else has been given this maqam and this sharaf. So Yusuf salam see what he say. He raised them to the arsh. And all of them, his whole family, fell in prostration to Yusuf salam This was the fulfillment of the dream that started this whole story. This was the fulfillment of that dream that started this story. إِنِّي أَرَى فِي uh, uh, that I, I saw uh, um, uh, uh, This is what I saw His father had interpreted it And now you see the fulfillment of this dream Now one side point very quickly I would like to mention here In the Sharia of Yusuf السلام, Prostrating out of honor to someone was considered permissible. In the sharia of the Prophet any prostration to anyone other than Allah is considered forbidden. You are not allowed. Not even for the sake of honor. For the sake of honoring someone, are you allowed to prostrate or bow down to anyone? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is worthy uh, that a servant displays this type of humility and humbleness. No one else. However, in the Sharia of Yusuf and Yaqub السلام, this was allowed That out of honor. Not out of obedience or out of worship. Here, when they prostrated to Yusuf, السلام, they didn't prostrate because they're worshiping Yusuf. They're prostrating yani out of honor. Allah has given him this honor. This was a fulfillment of that dream. And he recognizes this. And he says, This is the, the interpretation of my dream. قَدْ جَعَلَهَا رَبِّي حقا, which, my maid, which my Lord made it a true. Wa' and subhanAllah. This is the sign of a servant of Allah. Despite all these difficulties that you saw Yusuf going through. These were not easy. Dif- these were not easy. Your own brothers abandon you. Leave you to in the hands of strangers. And you're not old. You're a young child. Then in the house of your... You're growing up in the house of... You're sold. How 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 any uh, uh, how painful is that? You're sold. Then you you grow up in the house of of the Aziz, and now the Aziz's wife puts such a circumstance that it makes it very difficult for you. Now uh, you know th- there's this whole uh, commotion and and whatnot that happens with the other woman uh, of that city. Then you're put in prison for Allah knows how much time. These are not easy things. After all this, he didn't say. Look at how Allah subhanahu wa taala put me in this difficulty and in that difficulty. What does he say? Wa qad A believer is very optimistic. He always looks at the positive. My Lord did good with me. Ahsanabi. He treated me with good. He treated me with ihsan. Ahsanabi. When he took me out of the prison, wajaa and brought you al badwi, from, from, from where you were living. After having, yeah, after the shaitan had put this animosity between my brothers and me. Even then, what does he say? He attributes that evil that happened to shaitan. And shaitan put that, that, that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala removed that. <laughs> my Lord is so kind. <laughs> Then he makes dua. رَبِّ قَدْ مِنَ الْمُلْكِ وَعَلَّمْتَنِي مِنْ ta'wila. Oh ya Allah, my Lord, you gave me this kingdom. Ya Allah, you taught me of the, of, of dream interpretation. فَاتِرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ You are the one who created the heavens and the earth. أَنْتَ وَلِيِّ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ You are my guardian, you are my protector in the dunya and the akhirah. تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا Allow me to die as a Muslim, yani as someone who is submitting to you. And attach me, connect me with those who are righteous and pious. SubhanAllah. This is a nabi. This is a true, this is a true manifestation of what it means to be a servant of Allah. This is, yani this ayah I would say is like the, the, the crux of this whole story. This is the crux of ubudiyah. All of this, these true ayat here. That he associates and he, he looks at the positive. He looks at the good that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has treated. Why? Because Allah is a wali of the believers. He is the guardian protector. Even the difficulty that you may be in, there's always a hidden blessing within it. Which perhaps some may be able to recognize, some may not be. But this much a person should recognize that Allah put me in this state, there must be some divine wisdom. Why? Because indeed, Ya Allah, you are my guardian, my protector in this life and the hereafter. And subhanAllah, despite being a prophet, this is the dua every abd of Allah makes. What is that? تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا وَأَلْحِقْنِي بِالصَّالِحِينَ تَوَفَّنِي مُسْلِمًا وَأَلْحِقْنِي بِالصَّالِحِينَ Ya Allah, Ya Allah, allow me to pass away as a Muslim. Ya Allah, raise me. Ya Allah, connect me with those who are Salihin. This is. You know, and we'll, we'll we'll actually, the rest of the the, the, the surah um, talks about other, you know, d- different points, um, uh, uh, at this point pretty much the, the story of Yusuf has completed. And so we'll, we'll stop here as well. And um this is one thing that I just want to highlight a little bit more. And we'll finish with this. Any individual who wants to get close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The easiest way is to adopt the company of the righteous. Look here. Yusuf alayhi salam despite being a prophet is making what al bis Ya Allah, connect me, attach me with those who are righteous. This is the easiest way to adopt righteousness and piety. Is get in the company of those who are righteous. Those who follow. If you are sincere and you adopt the company of people who follow the sunnah of the Prophet, who are obedient to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, who prefer the akhirah over the dunya, you will find that those qualities will slowly start to rub off on you. But if you're constantly surrounded by people who are worried about the dunya, how can I excel in my dunya, how can I get this, how can I get that, Yani, their focus is on the dunya, They're, they have no religiosity with them, they have no piety with them, what's going to happen? That is going to rub off on you. <laughs> A person follows the way of his friend. So beware who you befriend. In another place in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the, 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 uh, um, the, the uh, uh, sadness and grief of an individual in the dunya who followed the path of, of of people who are uh, not righteous, and how they led him astray, and he he shows his 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 sorrowness at this idea that uh, why did I follow you know these individuals? Why I, why did I follow them? These were the individuals that caused me to go astray. Why? Because those who you you are around, their qualities are going to rub off on you. Allah Taala says, "Yomayyadhu that the ظالم the transgressor, he will bite his, his hands, he will bite his fingers and say, يَا rasuli sabila." If only I had taken the path with the Messenger. And anyway, the path that the Messenger showed, I wish I had taken that path. Ya waylata, laytani lam fulanan I wish I had not taken so-and-so as a friend. لَقَدْ أَضَلَّنِي عَنِ الذِّكْرِ بَعْدِ He misled me. From the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala. After it had came, come to me. Indeed, this is what uh, shaitan's objective is. So, the company that you keep is very important. You will find in your life, that if you have good company, their attributes, their qualities will rub off on you. And if you leave that, then... Whatever company you adopt, whatever environment you pin to, we we are a we are a a manifestation of our environment. We are a a combination of our environment. Whatever environment you you surround yourself, that's what your your output is going to be. Whatever the input is, that's what the output is going to be. It's not possible that the output is one and the input uh, the the input is one and the output is something else. You put good in, good's gonna come out. You put evil in, evil's gonna come out. Ilham, masha'Allah, if Allah subhanahu wa taala desires to protect someone, that's a different case. But in general, this is the what we find: those who guard themselves, protect themselves, and keep the company of good, then those are people who Allah subhanahu wa taala protects. That becomes a way of protection and a barrier from evil. Uh, you know, uh, masajid, madaris, these are places that we should have our hearts connected to, uh, even though today, whatever the situation may be, we should have desire. And we should make dua to Allah, ya Allah, please open these masajid. Please open these masajid. These are our, you know, fortresses. But if when that's not the case, then our home should be that. Our home should be a fortress. The environment of the home we should make in such a way where it's it's reminding us of Allah and the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to benefit. This is the the last session. Uh, We finished the the story of Yusuf alayhi salam. And all of these weeks we were only able to cover this one story. Um, We weren't able to cover any other story of any other prophet or any other Quranic story. But I believe uh, this story had so many beneficial things that despite spending so much time on it, um, I think it was quite worth it. Uh, This is our last session. Um, before Ramadan I pray and I ask everyone else also to pray that Ya Allah please allow uh, uh, us to benefit from this Ramadan though this Ramadan may be difficult right there are going to be certain difficulties Uh, there may be some silver lining there may be certain you need um Uh, a benefit in it perhaps some of us are able to see perhaps some of us are not able to see but recognize that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is our guardian is our protector He knows what's best for us whatever situation we're in no one knows it better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala whatever distress we may be in no one knows it better than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we should then trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and continue to make dua may I pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this Ramadan a very very blessed Ramadan for us the um uh, one, you know, uh, final thing that I, I, I'm going to conclude with for sure is that our condition should not be of those. That when we go through this difficulty and we emerge, and inshallah, I, I have uh, hope and I have, you know, this certainty in my heart that this, this will be over. When Allah knows best. It should not be though that when we emerge from it, when we we get out of this, that we turn back to our old ways. That would be very despicable. That would be very sad. That during this difficulty, we 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 uh, obeyed Allah, we worshipped Allah, we increased our ibadat. Ramadan came, we tried our best, you know, to full Ramadan. This this difficulty that we're in, with the situation that we're in, that goes away, and then Subhanallah, we just go back to our normal lives. We don't take a lesson. That's something that we should be aware of. We should be mindful of and we should make constant dua to Allah. Rabbana, La tuzikulubana, badid hedaitana, or habla na miladun karahma, inna cantel, or hab. Rabbana takabal minna, inna cantel Samuel Arim, or Tubarina, inna cantel Tawabur Rahim, Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izati, Amma Yasifun, or Salamun al Mursalina, will Hamdulillahi Rabbil